Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher, and I am here with my co-host, your co-host, our co-host, Mr. John Wagler. Wags. Yes. How are you? <laughs> Be honest. Not feeling, Not so feeling well. super well today. I'm Ugh. We had a good struggling. run. I good. feel like everyone was sick for weeks, and yeah. then we were okay, and now you're not feeling good again. Yeah, I just woke up this morning, sore throat. and Could it be allergies? I, don't, I have not had any this year. Ugh, bummer. Sorry. I'm on a new um, supplement that all of a sudden my allergies were gone. Weird. We're in a full NPR mode right now. Yeah, we... <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually on a new supplement. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually started taking colostrum. What is that? That you sounds know? illegal. Uh, well, you know when babies are born, the first, yeah. you know, liquid gold or whatever. Yeah. Well, they have this uh, for like uh, maybe I could, maybe this is our sponsor. Um, <laughs> Colostrum. <laughs> um, we I, I started researching it months ago, and um, and so I was like, you know what, I'll give it a run. Like yeah. I talked to a couple of people in the medical field, and and they had been like saying that there were some interesting findings yeah. with it, and so I started it like five months ago or whatever. And, um, you know, this is the height of allergy season yeah. and Richmond's horrible. Yeah. And, uh, We're like number three in the country or something like that. And for 20 some odd years, I've been on allergy medicine for seasonal allergies, you know, yeah. uh, for a few months in the spring and, and fall, I haven't needed any of it. So now can they make this in a lab or are you stealing colostrum from small, from, from newborn from babies? Newborn babies. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, there's so many bad jokes to tell them. Yeah, like, do no, that. it's like from bovine then. Yeah. Bovine. Um, all right. Well, you're That's not feeling by Armra. <laughs> Armra colostrum. <laughs> oh, it's a word. Kind of gives me the shivers a little bit. Um, so today we are going to talk um, about. This is kind of like we always or we often will go off of what we're talking about in church. Sure. Um, you know, on a Sunday. Today is like very directly supplemental. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that if maybe you don't, like if you don't go to our church or you don't listen to the messages, you you could still get a lot out of today because yeah. it kind of blew my mind. But um, if you did listen to the sermon this past Sunday, which would be, what is it, the 5th, 4th, 6th, something like that, yeah. early May, <laughs> first Sunday of May, <laughs> um, then this will make a lot of sense to you why we're talking about this. Um, today we are going to talk about some interesting new findings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, well, yeah, it's a good way to go higher pitch. Is good there. It's um, <laughs> new findings. I'm Ron Burgundy. There's new. It's new to us. Yeah, not new to the early church. Yeah, um, idea that. The way we interpret Mary Magdalene mm-hmm. and the stories of Mary and Martha are not wrong, but like that there's another layer to it that maybe we have missed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go into that. We're going to be quoting people smarter than us that have gone to school for longer than we have. <laughs> so don't not worry. Hard. It's not just us <laughs> making stuff up. It's a very low bar to jump on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wags and I recently... Um, uh, subscribe to like a $20 a month, you can now read scanned Dead Sea Scrolls and we think that we're... <laughs> um, no, we are going to uh, talk about uh, just sort of some new stuff that we're reading that we found super interesting. Um, but before we do that, we are going to do our now ongoing segment where we talk about things that are getting on our nerves called Stay Stay Furious. Stay Furious. 
Go ahead. John, you go first. Top five things that make me angry. Oh, man. Um, not being able to zipper merge. Yes. Well, uh, sure. Not putting the carts back. Yeah. <laughs> um, people who walk slow, across, like crossing something on the street. Oh. like Nothing. And I mean, <laughs> you want to get me going? <laughs> Take your sweet time in front of me. Like while I'm trying to drive somewhere yeah. or whatever, and you just go so dang slow <laughs> on the crosswalk, I, it makes me want to lose my mind, and I'm not even kidding. Oh man, I would never, <laughs> like, yell out the window towards someone, you know, and not cuss R- them or really? whatever. But that is the thing that would get me close. What if they were fully in a monk robe? <laughs> like, what if it was like apparent apparent that they were on some sort of contemplative stroll? You know, you still would that, be like that. Would be okay. do it in the park, hippie. <laughs> it's the it's the person that like um is walking and eating something. Yeah, and like n- kind of knows that they're walking slow yeah. too. Yeah, and it's just because like I can't do anything. Yeah, like I'm not gonna hawk my horn. That's like you know, yeah, it's like a jerk move. But do you feel like it, it? I mean, it irritates. So you're from upstate New York, right? Yeah. Originally, is it a, is it a like city thing? Like, do you think people move here from like DC or New York and are like, yeah, you know, you just roll out in front of cars <laughs> in the street and like <laughs> this is no, this is a uh, it's a personality thing. This is yes. I mean, I think the people that do stuff like this mm-hmm. are the same people who don't put the carts back at the grocery store, yeah. probably. Yeah. But like, it is like a pure lazy uh arrogant thing to do Mm. the slow walk yeah that's that's fair i think this week i observed somebody being truly truly rude to a a service worker Mm. like to a cashier at a lowe's and like so much so that when i it was my turn in line the guy opened with like i was I interacted with him for all of 10 seconds and he was like, thank you so much for being kind. And I was just like, I am so sorry about whatever just happened. And it was one of those things where I try for most of my life as just a cynical person and sort of a misanthrope. I was very much like, people are the worst. Could you see how that person behaved? And I'm definitely in a point where I try to like see people through a different lens. Maybe they've got something going on in their life or whatever. And, and especially in like, Sometimes I can observe somebody being rude or being like hostile and sort of in, intuit immediately like this person's having a mental health issue. Um, and I know that's like sure. sketchy to yeah. just say, oh, I could just tell on someone. But like, you know, you can kind of tell like this person is way outside. This person truly it, that was in front of me in line at the, at the Home Depot was just being a jerk. <laughs> like, I mean, just and again, maybe she was having a bad day somewhere else or whatever, but it was just like over. Like, oh, I'm supposed to run my card again? Or like, why doesn't the chip reader work? Like uh, everything. And I was just like, man, I'm having a very hard time having compassion for you and categorizing you as having a hard day because yeah. you are being such a jerk to this kid who's trying so hard to be nice, just like working in the hot out here, running right. a register on the out, on the like landscaping so part dumb. of the. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, there's just something about like, this person is not making a living wage. I think, you know, it was it I have gotten more agitated about this post twenty twenty where we had the whole thing of like, you're an essential worker. Oh, but we're not gonna pay you anymore, but you do have to go to work. Sure. Like yeah. working at the grocery store or whatever. It's like these people are scraping to get by. Uh yeah. they're managing, some of them managing even to be polite, you know, all day long. And you're just gonna like find some like direct that aggression up. Go be mean to like a city council person or something. <laughs> yeah. Like don't like find the board of supervisors. Right, punch up. Yeah. Don't punch down. That's yeah. like that's a rule. Don't punch down. Yeah. Like if you're working a register at the Home Depot, 
and you can afford to buy things at the Home Depot and you're mean to that person, you're punching down right now because yeah. they are working as hard as they can. It's so <laughs> I don't true. Know. It just, that gets me. Um, can I tell you a funny story about the grocery cart? 100%. So I, so we were in Publix or I was in Publix and um, so I, I got my cart and, uh, you know, we're a little off a ways from where you put it back. And so, but I, I like walk mine back and, you know, put it where it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And this lady comes behind me and um, she goes, hey, um, I saw you put your cart back and it made me think I should put my cart back. No way. I'm not kidding you. That's insane. And that sounds like a story that a preacher tells during a sermon that I people know. later find out is fake. But I'm telling you, <laughs> no, it I believe just you. happened. And it happened two weeks ago. And uh um and I and she goes and she goes, You made me feel really guilty because like I saw you like just put your cart back and, and I was like, you know, I was like, That's pretty cool. And she goes, Yeah. She goes, Thank you. And I was like, No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. <laughs> thank you. Oh man, I love that. You should have shared with her. It's your biggest pet peeve. Maybe that would have that would stuck did, with her at like, future I, events. It was like one of those moments I wasn't in the mood, you know, like of yeah. just fully engaging. We should try to always close stay furious with like a moment of hope for humanity. Because that really that's heartwarming what you just said. Um Okay, so we are gonna take a quick break and then um we are going to come back and talk about Mary, Martha, and what Magdala Magdalene actually means, not just in the historical context, maybe, but possibly as some implications for how we view church. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know we stay curious over here. All right. And we're back. Why are we handling this so delicately? I, don't I feel know. like I have like a hot potato in my hand. I don't know. Like I feel like on the scale of things we talk about that are potentially scandalous, this doesn't seem that Well, you know what it is? I think when we you ever get into a topic around the Bible. Yeah. That Bible. Um you know, forces maybe some open handedness. Yeah. That it's hard because like you we're all raised, no matter who we are, uh you're raised in a certain context around scripture and that shapes so many different things. Mm-hmm. And then when you're exposed to different elements around the Bible, it's, it can be very difficult, you yeah. know, cause we all want to hear what we already know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like when, when you're presented with something that's like, Whoa, this is kind of crazy. It doesn't upend the Bible or anything, yeah. but it's, it's still as hard, yeah. you know, to, to engage it. So, yeah. And we should have opened with, John, did you know that people have strong feelings about Bible? (laughs) I don't know if you knew this or not. Um, So try to summarize, if you can, try to summarize what what you're reading about, what you're learning. Yeah. And also kind of how you, I don't even know the story of how you stumbled across this stuff. I know. Um, So let me first say this, like, I love the Bible. (laughs) Believe in its truth. Um, Believe uh, it's the word of God, all that. So, um yeah, so we're talking about Mary Magdalene, and what ended up happening was uh, about a year ago um, or so, I I don't even know how I stumbled on this woman, Barbara Taylor, who's a, a well-known and very respected scholar. Yeah, probably Twitter. She's pretty on Twitter. Yeah, Barbara Taylor I, Brown, right? Yeah, yeah. and um, I, I just don't remember how... It might have been Twitter. I don't yeah. even remember. I mean, when you sent me the article, I was like, oh, yeah, I know Barbara Taylor Brown. Yeah, yeah. so... Anyway, she uh, had done this talk at this this conference about this new stuff that's been uncovered uh, mm-hmm. about Mary Magdalene and, and scripture, and and, um, and so I was like reading it, reading her sermon. And I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" And I just kind of like tucked it away for a little bit, and um, and I did a little more research around it, but not a ton. And then when we started doing the series about something happened, 
and talking about the people that encountered Jesus, the risen Jesus. I, I was like, all right, I want to talk about Mary Magdalene. And, um, and then I had this like tension inside of like, but how much do I want to talk yeah. about this, you know, with what uh, I had kind of been reading. And so I went into this two day where I literally, this is all I did for two days yeah. of just like trying to find every angle to this that someone has written on it. Um, I watched hours of videos of like some conference and some research that was, I mean, it was funny. Like I told Lacey after one, I was like, Lace, there are some really smart people out there. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like, a, it was like one of those high academic conferences yeah. where I was like, man, I have a lane in this church world and that is not it. You know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's worth reiterating to people that the reason that you guys feel connected to us through this podcast is because we are not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> the both of us. I know that's, I'm not even trying to be self-deprecating. Like combined, so, we stumble on some things. Yeah, yeah, like literally, if you listen to really smart people talk, yeah, it's crazy. We're for the people, though. Yeah, we're yeah, you know, we're connected we're to the, the streets. People. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you watched a bunch of videos. Yeah, okay. and like and read, and read a, a ton. I mean, it was it was like hours and hours and hours of stuff. Yeah, and um, and so emerging from that, it was like this. Uh, and in looking at the validity of what mm-hmm. um a couple of these scholars are doing, and so it just. So there's just some interesting things about Mary Magdalene, and okay. um, and and I can't share it in a sermon for multiple reasons. One, like if someone's new, <laughs> they're gonna like, be like, "This is what? like this is what." First you know? off, they might be like, "What Mary Magdalene? Who is <laughs> yeah, Mary I know. Magdalene?" So I couldn't do it there, but um, but then it's also you know it can be tense in times of sermons, like to make a comment or do something around Mary Magdalene, yeah. like in what we're gonna talk about. Because people can like shut off the rest of what I'm going to say because we're so consumed with, you know, this one little piece. Yeah. Maybe not little, but this yeah. one piece of the story. Yeah. So summarize it for us. Like what is – I read the initial sermon that this woman gave, yeah. which, by the way, did one of my favorite sermon things where she started giving a sermon and then stopped and was like, but this is not the sermon I'm going to give. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to tell you about what my friend found out about I know, Mary Magdalene. Yeah. I kind of love that. Yeah. Um, uh, so tell – Go ahead and summarize it for us. You've been doing more work around it. Yeah. So uh, this woman named Libby Schrader, um, in part of her uh, studies in seminary, um, essentially went and looked at the oldest copy of the Gospel of John that we have um, called Papyrus 66 Mm -hmm. and saw that there were some edits made by scribes Mm -hmm. that have impacted what we have in terms of our translation, Mm -hmm. um, in particular around this story of Mary Magdalene associated with John chapter 11 Mm -hmm. in the story of Lazarus. And so... um, the, the what was changed in the in the writing was basically uh, it used to say uh, it used to say just Mary, mm-hmm. um, when in the end of the M A R the I is called an iota, it was changed to a theta, so that moved it moved it from Mary to Martha. Oh, okay. And so um, she shows it like in one of her talks, like yeah. she actually shows like the huh. pictures of like, and it was done in every scenario, but it was done later on. Um, so it was not part of like the original, um, manuscript or transcript or whatever. And, um, and so, um, and so that shifted, like essentially it shifts the story because it it went from that story is, is Lazarus, Martha and Mary, but it, it, it was just supposed to be Mary and Lazarus. Mm. That's it. So there's no Martha in that story. And, um, and so it just impacts the way it was translated and, and read. And um, and so then it's high probability that Mary Magdalene is is uh, 
there's a strong possibility. I'm, there's no way to like fully know 100, percent but yeah. there's a strong possibility Mary Magdalene is actually the sister of Lazarus. Oh, so that's part of like what okay. these scholars are working on, and so she kind of she literally stumbled on this. Wow. Like this is not like. She wasn't searching something out. She was just like super into Mary Magdalene and um, based off of some something that happened to her in her own spiritual life. But um, so she then brought this research to um, the higher ups, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, and then started doing all of this research around what did other people think? And we can talk about some of those details. But um, and essentially she ends up discovering that until the fifth century, everyone said it was just Mary and Lazarus. There mm. was no Martha in, the, in that story. And then, um, and then it got changed. And then, uh, and even the first version of the King James has just Mary. There's no Martha in that story. Which is wild. Um, the second version of King James has Martha and Mary, but the first version only has Mary. And so she then did all, like started all this research and, and brought it to other people. And, and there's like different organizations that kind of Whenever someone uncovers something, like you got to go through. I mean, the rigor to which yeah. you have to go through is, and it should yeah. be like well, unbelievably. Well, expensive. because this this intersects with not just it's not just religious rigor because the church is like well, we don't want to. It's like archaeological rigor. Yes. This be, this draws in authority from outside of multiple places. The religion, too. yes, yeah, of, it's, like, it's a really, really, really big deal. Yeah. People who do not believe in Jesus are very invested in the Bible. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like yeah. archaeologists and yeah, his, totally. historians so, and stuff. So this ended up, and we'll talk through some of the details of uh, of it, but um, essentially like she has the backing of all the big yeah. people. Yeah. So, so what, tell us about this concept of the tower. Like there, yeah. um, so the initial sermon that Barbara, Town, Barbara Taylor Brown gave is called Mary the Tower. Yeah. And so how does this... Mary possibly being the sister of Lazarus and Martha not being there connect to the larger story of who we call Mary Magdalene. Yeah, so uh, typically what we grew up with is that Magdalene is like a place. Mm-hmm. She's you know? Mary of Magdalene. Yeah, right. um, but Luke doesn't actually write it in that way. Like okay. it's it's funny because like when you read her research and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like a funny like oh I did I mean that's interesting but it, it was pretty simple like anytime Luke writes in. And, and he wrote Luke and Acts. Yeah. And in both of those letters, when he says someone's from somewhere, he says they're from there. Yeah. Um, and in this instance, he doesn't say Mary's from Magdalene. He he actually this this idea of Migdal yeah. is um it's more descriptive. It's like Mary the yeah. Migdal and or Magdal or, and um and so in that, um that word means tower. And so um, there, there are a couple of possibilities with that, meaning the towers, meaning like of strength mm. of like a, um, you know, when you see a tower in a city, mm-hmm. it's like almost like a focal point, mm-hmm. but it's a, but um, becomes like an element of strength, mm-hmm. uh, essentially, or something to look at and right. follow, right, um, for direction. Um, so there's some people that believe that maybe centered, centered around that. Um, she, there is like a decent amount of scholarship around that she um, may have been tall. Okay. Like uh, a tall black Egyptian yeah. woman. So it's like a nickname, um, like Big Big John or yeah. Little John. Yeah, it could yeah. have been. Okay. Um, or could have been both. Okay. You know, it could have been like some element of both okay. that there, she was recognizable in that way. Um, in Israel right now, if you were to go there, they, they do have this place where they say, this is a place where Mary Magdalene like worshipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that she didn't there. It, no. It's just like you don't actually fully know. Um, and so we don't historically we don't actually really know where she's from mm-hmm. 
because um, there's a lot of like debate around that. Mm-hmm. And so this um, in the same way, uh, you know, it's like John the Beloved mm-hmm. or um, Simon Peter, like, yeah. you know, uh, The Rock. Simon The Rock, yeah. Um, and in the same way, it would be like Mary the Tower. Hmm. Yeah, which has some implications as to where maybe the first couple centuries of the church placed her. For sure. In the wider story of like everything. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I yeah. mean, like it, it, this shifts like so, some pretty significant things because her story in general is pretty powerful as it is. Yeah. You know, d- being delivered from seven demons, you know, um, being so faithful to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk about it on Sunday, but like she like had like a resilient and I would I would kind of frame it like a stubborn faith in a good way. Yeah. And um, she was the only person at the um, at the trial Mm-hmm. at the crucifixion, at the burial, mm-hmm. um, to experience the earthquake and that empty tomb, and then yeah. the first person to see Jesus. I mean, yeah, her, her story is incredible, you know, yeah. but kind of gets buried a little bit in the scheme because like none of the disciples can say that, you know, the people that are elevated, you know, and so part of why this could matter uh, even in her own story is, um, you know, if this is true and it seems like it leaning that way, mm-hmm. you know, um, that story of uh, of Mary being with Lazarus as a sister, there's there's this proclamation in John chapter 11 where it says Martha proclaims mm. who Jesus is and believing in the resurrection and oh. all this other stuff. So if this is Mary, Ma- if it is Mary yeah. Magdalene saying this, um, now all of a sudden you're saying like, hold on a second, like her story should be on par with. Peter yeah. and John. And yeah. and so it levels the playing field in a lot of ways. Yeah, it almost kind of puts her, it could almost put her in the place of John the Baptist, like replacing John the Baptist as like the announcer of things or like the proclaimer of. Maybe not replacing him, but I, I think. Not replacing him, maybe taking up where he left sentence, off. In the same sentence, you know, yeah. kind of like Aquinas, you know, who was in the 13th century, he, he actually calls her the apostle of the apostles. Yeah, interesting. Like the like the messenger of the messengers. Wow. So like he put, he had her in um, an interesting place. Um, some other folks who did like Tertullian did mm-hmm. in the second century, uh, Jerome in the third century, um, Origen who I think he was I can't remember what century he was, but he did. Um, Eusebius was like the fourth century. They all had Mary, and they all have writings around her like as this pillar of the faith. Mm. And like, and so that, and, and actually called her the tower. Hmm. So there was language that was already there, already around this. And, um, the scribe and the change that ends up happening, um, they looked at some, some estimate, it might've been a couple hundred years later, mm-hmm. you know, after this original yeah. manuscript. And so, hmm. um, I know like hearing that sometimes people can be like, oh my gosh, does this throw the Bible? Like, yeah. and, and it doesn't, I think. Uh, what you have to remember with stuff like this is every single thing that's discovered about the Bible never impacts the truth of the Bible. Interesting. You know, and, um, and the whole picture of the Bible, what it does is when these things are discovered in this way, and some of them, it's some of the stuff's junk, right. That people say, but then every once in a while when something's discovered, like, um, like back, I think it was in the late eighties, um, they finally discovered the Hittites. Oh, okay. Like the no, it had not been discovered for in, and it changed like some stuff because it, it, it reemphasized some realities of scripture. Um, it brought into some historical elements that weren't there and, yeah. um, but it didn't change like the, the Bible, yeah. you know, like it, what it does is it, it allows us to see some of the humanity of the process. 
Um, but it should also like allow us to see the beauty and the truth of scripture, mm-hmm. like a while in it and what it's pointing towards. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't, I know sometimes when stuff like this, people are like, Oh my gosh, that means all the Bible is junk. It's like, no, 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 no. Like yeah. there's a human element to scripture that you have to like deal with. Also, there's a divine element <laughs> to it that you also deal with. Right. And, and that, isn't that the story of our faith? Yeah. Anyway, you yeah. know, so and um, why would the Bible be any different with that? Right. Yeah. And it's sort of like, I mean, I, it can get people's hackles up about the nature of like unfolding revelation or like what is God static and perfect and the same sure. yesterday, today, and tomorrow, or is he an unfolding revelation that we're learning more about every day? Can it be both? Of course it can. Yeah. Um, but this idea of like closed canon theology, open canon theology, there's, it just, it's like anything, right? Like, you can use a match to light a candle or you can use a match to light a powder keg. Like it, new information like this is always a match. Yeah. It just depends on, do you want to use it to make things better or do you want to use it to, yeah, deconstruct the whole Bible or make it an argument about, um, complementarianism versus egalitarianism <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like it's, I think it's a lot about like people's spirits behind it. Yeah. I think, or, or you could take a step back and be like, how cool is it that, we're part of kind of an era where something might be revealed. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, you know, like that, that God's like a part of, and like, I I know a lot of times people kind of, you know, like the close canon, like you you can't add anything to that. I don't think people realize that like the not adding something to it is said a few different times in scripture, including to Moses. Mm -hmm. And there was plenty added after Moses, you know? And, and not only that, you know, when Paul in second Timothy three talks about, you know, all scripture is God's breathed. They didn't have the new Testament yet. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so he's actually talking, he's not talking about the new, like the new Testament. Yeah. Though I believe that it's God breathed and yeah. in the same way, yeah. you know, um, I believe that to be true, obviously. Um, so, I mean, there's sometimes when people like get amped up on certain things, I'm like, you got to breathe for a second and not put something on the Bible that the Bible isn't trying to put on itself. Mm, that's a good word. You yeah. know? And so, so I think it's important to like step into that, like in, in a healthy way. And I know I, it's way easier for things to just be in the certain box mm. and like, but it's just not, that's not the way the Bible is. Yeah. Like the, the, the way the guys write they have written mm-hmm. in scripture. It's like, man, like it's not linear. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it, they don't write like we write. Yeah. They just don't. Do you believe that as we move through time and society that things are chipped away, meaning like there was a time when it was up for debate whether the Bible supported slavery, and now that's pretty much not up for debate? Yeah. I mean, you have people who... I guess, try, but but not yeah. in a, not in the way it was not 150 the, years ago, correct? Right? Yeah, oh, 200 absolutely, years ago, absolutely. Um, and that was, and you know, I'm sure at the time, people who were pro-slavery had a of like, look, it says what it says, you know, like it. Yeah. Everybody always takes that stance of like, look, it says what it says, you know. Yeah. And for us to like think or dare to think about this possibly being a move toward chipping something else away, of you know, like how do we see the Bible through the lens of deteriorating prejudice against women or patriarchy or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, as that sort of, do you think that that happens? Is there sort of like a human element to the Bible that makes it relatable, but then another human element that sort of melts away as we move through time? I do. I I think you could see that. And and I think it has its rhythms. Mm -hmm. 
because of humanity. Yeah. Because like what we're talking about with uh, m- with Mary here and the Mary Martha. And also, I forgot to say this. Um, in John 11, the Mary and Martha uh, is different than the Luke, Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes people like oh, yeah. think that think that those two stories are the same. Like there's a story in Luke where you know Martha's working and Mary's yep. you know kneeling at his feet. You know, and um, but those two stories are actually different anyway. Those aren't the same. Even if it, oh really yeah they're not the same oh yeah she talks about that yeah they're not even and by the, the way if that seems suspect to you let me introduce you to a million other Matthews and Johns <laughs> like look people be having I know. the same name yeah there's some time there's some points in, Mary and in Martha history was like where, every, they yeah. were everywhere so they're they're two different people anyway yeah um sets of people oh interesting but regardless I think there's ebbs and flows to this so so for instance you know in the early church um, they were adamantly against slavery mm-hmm. you yeah. know they were adamantly against um kind of the patriarchal element of mm-hmm. like how we're supposed to treat women and everything but as humanity does what humanity does we ebb and flow with these things mm-hmm. and like introduce our own things and then i think and now again this is the to me the power of scripture like it's like oh like over time what ends up happening someone's like oh actually you humans abused that mm. and now the way that god's working it's like Oh, and this is becoming like now a, an entire communal thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for instance, like there was a time where the abolitionists were like, like screaming that yeah. slavery is wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And like, you cannot use scripture for this. And you had all these Christians, right? You had all these yeah. people being like, well, no, we're holding the truth of scripture and the little yeah. reading of scripture. And, the, and they're screaming it, right? And it was a small grouping of people, but they were the minority, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but they were, the abolitionists were right, the majority of Christians were wrong during that time period. And so, um, but again, what the abolitionists were saying, the early church already said it. Mm-hmm. It just, there was a, a gap happened, yeah. you know? And so, so to me, when these things happen, it's like, hold on a second. I think this is the spirit of God moving to like reorient us mm-hmm. back to the way it should be. Because again, the early church were saying all this stuff about Mary. Yeah. So this is not technically new. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was, it's already been said. Mm-hmm. It's just this part had gotten away from it. So again, think about this. Like if, if we could have played this out and the story of Mary stayed in there, like we think that, you know, it should have been, well, man, you don't have a lot of ground to stand on to somehow demean women. Yeah, because like there was a female Peter, basically. <laughs> yes, um, that's what I'm saying. Or like, there was a male Mary. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, and part of like even like Mary, so uh, Mary's like reputation, like mm-hmm. a lot of times people think Mary was uh, like a prostitute and mm-hmm. she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope uh, Gregory in 591 in his sermon, he he wrongly attributes prostitution mm. to Mary. And so she gets lumped in with the adulterous woman. Because how else could else. she have gotten seven demons yes. if she was And so, but again, you see how this stuff happens. Now yeah. all of a sudden Mary's associated with prostitution, this other stuff, and then she's demeaned. And then and essentially she's... I mean, for lack of a better term, she's kind of erased. Yeah. You know, in the story. So so can you imagine though, like if she had never been erased mm-hmm. and kind of stayed where she was and on the early church saw her, well, now all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to uh to your point of being like, Well, no, we do have a female Peter. 
I know it's, I mean, yeah. we have, or, right. or, in terms yeah. of ranking, or, yeah, yeah, I wish whatever. you could see my hands. Yeah, you can. yeah his hands are um, equal right yes. now. Yes, um, you have a Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, you have Peter yep. at the top of the food chain. Put John the Baptist there and yeah. John, John the Beloved too. Yeah. Um, but they're all there together. Yeah, It, it changes a lot, mm. you know, in terms of how it doesn't change the Bible because nope. the Bible already said it. Yeah, It doesn't change who God is because God already said it, you know, but what it does change is how we interact with one another. Yeah. And it really makes me wonder if I'm trying to bring it to like practical societal advice, right? Like in our current cultural moment, it really makes me think of like, we're all trying to figure out our place in the culture war or how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a big part of that is like, this is conservative, this is liberal, this is progressive, this is reductive, whatever, whatever. And it really makes me wonder if like a good gauge of are you on the right track with this is where does this idea of where's the lie, right? Something we say a lot around here, like where's the lie? So for instance, in the current conversation, it's like, well, that's a conservative viewpoint. But if you really look at it, it's like conservative, like 70 years old, or is it like conservative, like 2000 like what are we trying to conserve <laughs> yeah. how old yeah. is it or like this is a liberal it's like okay so when you say liberal or progressive in a bad way are you talking about you are trying to push us into something that doesn't work or has never worked or are you talking about like i'm sure people said that abolitionists were liberal you know or yeah. or whatever you know it's kind of like has this never been tried before has this never yeah. you know so in both accusations there's sort of the lie that what we call conservative or progressive right now is actually conserving something or progressing something. Does I that make sense? It does. I think, um, like even the way you're saying it, like it, I, I was in a conversation with someone last week and I said, you know, part of the problem with this conservative and yeah. liberal or progressive element is like, we try to progress away from the wrong thing. Like meaning like right. some things that we should be conserving, yeah. we're progressing away from. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then some things that we should progress away from, we try to conserve, you know, well, like, there's... yeah, well, it's like the concept of neoliberalism we've talked about before of like, yeah. you're progressing away from a co- conservation that is not actually that conservative, meaning it's a new, it's an 80 year old idea. It's not, right. a, it's not a 10,000 year old idea yeah. or whatever. So this, uh, I mean, I've said it on here before, this idea that like, if someone, well, I can hear somebody right now being like, oh, well, this is just like the pro-woman like you know liberal lens trying to change what's in the bible but when the response is like well actually first century christians might have seen it this way then you are no longer you can still accuse somebody of something but you can no longer accuse them of just like letting the worldly progressivism affect their um their biblical interpretation yeah you end up like in this so in this scenario if someone's like oh this is just like a pro-woman progressive thing i would say well you're actually going against the writers of the first century, second century, third century, fourth century, who actually wrote in this way about Mary. Yeah. And, um, and, and they're, they are the people who like, we pull so much stuff from all these other things. Cause mm-hmm. they were the closest, you know, to Jesus, like yeah. even folks like Clementine and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. also like people who wrote about this with Mary, I have something here from Jerome. I forgot I had this in my notes, but good old St. Jerome. Yeah. I mean, so this is written in the fourth century, but, this is something simple. He says, the unbelieving reader may perhaps laugh at me for dwelling so long on the praises of mere women. Yet, if he will but remember how holy women followed our Lord and Savior and ministered to him um, of their substance, and how three Marys stood before the cross, and especially how Mary Magdalene, 
called the Tower. From the earnestness and glow of her faith, was privileged to see the rising Christ first of all before the very all all before the very apostles. He will convict himself of pride sooner than me of folly. So he's not even asserting anything. He's just saying what he's already heard. Correct. Like in the way that he talks about her as the tower of yes. faith and light, he's to the way he's writing that in the fourth century. He's not even being like, "Yo, let me give you a hot take." Correct. He's like, "Yeah, everybody knows that like Mary is the tower." Yes, that's, so so that's what I'm saying. So. So it's already there. Yeah. So this isn't like some progressive thing. Yeah. It's actually trying to conserve what was there. Yeah. What's really conservative, which is hundreds of years old, not decades old. <laughs> right. And, and this is part of even like when we get into these discussions, like we were saying earlier about the rhythms. Yeah. Like how I think it's like right now, like we're reading through Revelation together, you know, yeah. um, or the book right now. And as a staff and the things we're talking about are 2000 years old. Actually, Crazy. they're 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 longer than that cuz it actually goes in the Old Testament. Yeah. But like but we're talking about like it feels progressive some of the things we're talking about, right? On mm-hmm. the front end. But mm-hmm. if we just breathe for a second, we're like, "Oh, actually we're just tapping into th- what yeah. what they always thought yeah. thousands of years ago that yeah. they were trying to conserve." It's why even like right now and some of these other bigger conversations on sexuality and everything everything's like people are like you know, come in like so hot on something yeah. I'm like, Hey, can we breathe for a second? Yeah. Because guess what? The rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what happens. There's really. rhythms to all of this yeah. stuff. And even with, you know, if someone still is like, yeah, but wax, like this is going to change the Bible. I was like, it doesn't like, it's going back to like what it should be. And, um, and I always laugh because, you know, Paul talks about, um, a lot of scholars believe and you know, we have first and second Corinthians, mm-hmm. but some scholars believe what we have is second and fourth Corinthians and we don't have first and third. Ooh. And so, um, hypothetically, yeah, I don't know if it happened in our time, but there's there are other letters that Paul wrote out there. Yeah, it's, I mean, there has to be, right? This there, dude, this for all sure, the, are. he's sitting in jail. All he's doing yeah. is, reading, is <laughs> so, writing letters. So, like, let's just say they discover First and Third Corinthians. Are you gonna be like, nope? Yeah, won't cool. listen to it. Yeah, yeah, you know. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good um, that's a good way to think about it. I think that the problem becomes. Um, if you believe, so I've been listening, well, <laughs> I watched this documentary on Waco, uh, on like the Branch mm-hmm. Davidian, David Koresh thing. If you're old like us, you remember. Um, and then, you know, I'm listening to this podcast that's hosted by a woman that was in the Westboro Baptist Church and got out. And so this idea that like, if you believe that your interpretation of the Bible or your group's interpretation of the Bible is the literal interpretation or the only interpretation, then yeah, to you, a change in perspective or new information would mean that you're changing the Bible because you only see the Bible as your perspective Correct. of it, and that's not an evolving perspective. Yeah. So I think that's important, too, is to realize that, like, the Bible is—I've used this analogy before, but it's like the blind guys in the room. There's four blind men in a room. One of them thinks there's a tree in the room one of, with them. One of them thinks that there's a brick wall. One of them thinks there's a snake. And one of them thinks there's a broom. They're all in a room with an elephant. And they're mm-hmm. like touching different. The Bible is the elephant. It is true. <laughs> like there is a thing. And we're all trying to figure out our take on it. If you think you have the definitive take, the new information will either have to be rejected or will somehow falsify your view of the Bible. Sure. Is that fair? Yeah. And I again, like this isn't for me. Yeah. For me, like this doesn't impact like my belief in the word of God. Yeah. That is divinely inspired word of God. Um, it actually enhances it because again, it is bringing us closer to the truth of, of, of what the Bible has always been trying to point us towards, mm. you know, and, and, and 
the reality is, is humans consistent history over thousands of years has been to try and twist the word of God. That is Genesis chapter three, right? And so, and guess what? A thousand years from now, if this is all still around, (laughs) um, uh, like the same discussions will be happening. Mm -hmm. Why are we as humans trying to twist the word of God and like try and mold it into our own image and trying to figure out what's right and wrong and everything else? And it's like, no, what ends up happening is the beauty of scripture and why it's so, why for thousands of years, people are trying to, to discredit it, yet it keeps surviving and <laughs> speaking to people's lives is like, man, you keep doing this. It's like, oh, the rhythm of this is the spirit of God keeps moving. And man, you, you kind of look at like the people who are like the abolitionist kind of people. And you're like, pay attention to those folks because they're trying to bring us back to the truth of scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, pay attention to the people that are going against the, the grain of culture. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to those people who are oppressed. Pay mm-hmm. attention to those people who um, are trying to like bring us back to like this centering point of Christ, because those are the people. Typically, those are the people that have been like, "Hey, this is going to feel like paradoxical to the reality of script uh, of culture, mm-hmm. but it's bringing us back to the truth of of scripture." Yeah. So I think we'll close. I want to close with me just keeping it 100% real, <laughs> just because I feel like sometimes when we're talking about stuff like this, especially when you and I are both excited about it and don't really have opposing, you know, quote unquote opposing perspectives, um, it can feel like maybe somebody could feel attacked or like we're got, you know, doing a gotcha. So when I, when you started talking to me about this and then I read that thing, I deeply feel the... Um, the pull or the temptation to make it a gotcha thing. Like to be like, so take that, like, <laughs> you know, uh, sure, yeah. complementarians yeah. or like, so take that, like whatever. And I would just say, don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, don't, don't be in a quick, somebody actually that podcast that I'm listening to, um, with the woman from the Westboro Baptist church, there's a great quote in it where, um, she's basically talking to somebody about like, well, what if you're wrong? How can you tell if what you're doing is not right or whatever? And she says something really wise. She's like, pay attention to your body. If you feel like jazzed about it, like if you feel your heart rate go up, your blood rate go up, you, if you feel like you're about to drop a bomb on somebody, just slow down. <laughs> like yeah. just, just don't uh, and wait. That doesn't mean that this information doesn't maybe reinforce something in you or change something in you or change something in the way we see church or the way we interpret the Bible or whatever. But like, you know, don't, if it makes you feel good in that way that like pumping your fist and kicking a hole in the wall makes you feel good, like just exercise self-control. I think that's good. I, I just want to add one little thing to that if I can, if sure. I may. Yeah. Um, I think what's, Cause people ask me that all the time. Like, well, how do I know though? Yeah. You know, like, and, and listen, the beauty of curiosity is like, it leads us to like further truth and it leads us to a further understanding of our own humanity and the realities of God mm-hmm. and how the spirit of God works. Um, but I would also say this, like, I think we have to learn how to like breathe for a second and, and be better about self observation, meaning, mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea of like, even like your posture and your body and feeling that because like, we know when something's drawing us closer to the presence of God, we know when we're drawing in deeper to like, like the teachings of Jesus, it's like, no, I'm like loving people at a deeper level. I am showing more grace. I am like, 
this yearning and passion for the truth and the presence of to just be in the mm-hmm. presence of the spirit of God, you know? And when those things are like pressing into us that are also indicators of like, no, this is moving me like towards something different, you know, and it's going to feel um, against the grain a little bit too. But mm, anyway. That's good. That's good. Well, if you have questions, quips, comments, or quotes, you can email them to stacurious at hillcityrva.com. Make sure to rate and review us and share the episode so that other people can get in on the conversation. And until next time, remember, as always, to stay curious. curious.